When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And a breaking ball down and in. Got Granderson for the first out. That's a big strikeout against a veteran hitter. Half swing. I think he went. Pitches the first inning. Yes, sir. Romero trying to pitch out of another situation here on the four. Got him. Five shutout innings for Fernando Romero so far in his major league debut. Are you here by circle? Uh, the Twins win today, 4 to nothing. Of course, uh, when uh, Fernando Romero left and it was 2-0, I tweeted out, he pitched pretty well in today's loss, but then the bullpen... <laughs> See, you out. have no faith. <laughs> no, I have no faith. No, why right. are you Absolutely. so negative all the time, Absolutely, Royce? Absolutely, I have no faith because I knew we were going to see uh, the Dukester, and then I knew we were going to see uh, Addison Reed, who's having a little more trouble lately, and then uh, Fernando... And Fernando ended up ends up pitching the ninth, even though it's not a save situation. So he gets him out in the ninth, but this time he doesn't get to shoot the arrow because it's not a save. He doesn't shoot arrows when it's not a I save. I think that's a promising sign though from the young kid. Well, it 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 did. But the oh the kid's good. He's he's got good stuff. If he throws strikes, he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. He's uh, you know, ninety seven. Easy, easy 97, doesn't have to jump. Uh got the real good slider and working on a change. Uh, a little bit of a off-speed curveball. Uh, nice mixed pitch. He was great this spring, but he was loose this spring. He was, like, pitching in the middle of games sure. and stuff. And uh, He's not very today, big, by the way. Oh, he's big. Is he? Six. He's thick. You know, he might be 6'1". Six, okay. 6'1", six, six, but he's thick. He's a... Uh, He's uh, not not a skinny fella. He'll be a horse if uh, I think he's already had his arm trouble too, right? Didn't he? He didn't have. Uh, did he have Tommy John? I, I have to look it up. But uh, he's uh, yeah, he's good. I really liked him this spring. Good kid too. I talked to him. He's got some personality and ready to roll. And my God, did they need that today? Ooh, yes, yes, they did. Yes, they did, and they pieced together. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, their best offensive player in the last two days has been Giorgio Petit, so uh, I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> is he giving him a spark? Well, I'll tell you who's a good hitter. And uh, I've been on the bandwagon for four years. Eddie Rosario is a hitter, man. He's yeah. That's a swing. That is a big league swing. He's going to swing at everything, he's, that's but okay. when he let's gets go. a hold of it, let's get it, it goes moving. a long way. And uh, he's, uh, you know, he just got the, the great swing. That home run he hit last night, man. How about, did you see the mm-hmm. replay on that? How about that extension? Hey, let me do something I rarely do. Compact Reavers. Give an accolade <laughs> to Fox Sports North. Really? They had Morneau in with... Dick Bremer by himself for can't, for Cincinnati, and it was unlistenable. Yes, it was not very. It good. was unlistenable. He didn't know how to express himself. 
you could barely hear him. It was awful. They put him in with Smalley. I don't know if he's in there again today, but uh, Monday and Tuesday they put him in there with Smalley, and it was great. Yes, I, I they agree. Would, they, yeah. they would break down. The, they pretty much pushed Dick out of the booth. But uh, Dick, we but, got her from here. But they uh, had some great discussions about hitting. Uh, they they taught you some stuff. It was like it was like when Tom Kelly did it. They were teaching you a little baseball about hitting and uh, you know the about okay. That that whole discussion they had about you giving up the inside. If the guy makes, if a guy gets in your kitchen with a fastball, you're out of luck, right? Mm-hmm. But yep. you're you're conceding that pitch by setting up a little bit to take the ball the other way when you get two strikes on you, and you can handle everything else. You can handle the off speed. You can handle the the fastball away. You can handle that. You, you, you and if the guy makes a good pitch on your hands, yeah, sit down. And and they they both. We're talking about that as a basic philosophy of hitting, at least the way it used to be. Instead of swinging like a maniac when you get the two strikes, but it was really good. And a lot. Well, and what I thought was kind of interesting is because they gave almost while they both had really good, knowledgeable thoughts about hitting. You know, they played in a little bit different eras too, which I thought was a really good contrast for both of yeah, those guys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Roy is a generation ahead of him, and uh, yeah, it was really. And Roy's very good, but Roy was. Great when he had a guy to talk to was yeah. last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a guy to talk to, and it was really good, and Morneau came out of his shell. And you could tell Morneau wanted to say something informative. When he first started off, he just didn't know, he didn't how, know how he was supposed there. to get there. Yeah. Didn't know how he was supposed to get there. But he's more comfortable just, with another guy in the booth. They just threw him, him in the booth, and somebody and there was with. smart enough to say, okay, let's put him in there with Smalley and see how it works. And it worked great. Yeah. Right, you were here by circle. It was pretty good. And, uh, they so, didn't circle so, anybody. So uh, congratulations <laughs> to them, because they usually aren't that smart. You know, and I wonder <laughs> I wonder if we're going to see that more often with the, with the broadcast, because I, I agree with you. I thought it was fantastic. When, and I, I wish Roy did more games, because I just personally like him and like hearing him talk it about baseball. It is funny how, though, he gets, I see him getting ripped on Twitter more than a lot. Smalley? Yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. I, I don't think understand they it. think he talks, you know, they, I don't know. They they want more simplicity. Well, it was like TK. TK got criticized because he was wasn't simplistic enough. I th- I think the casual fans are are they're not the big baseball people want it to be more simplistic. That's hmm. that's the way I. And Those are the same people that are still well, whining about the quote unquote cheap poll ads. I yeah, would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dick and Bert get you know people you know they drive some people crazy when as a team, but. The surveys the Twins do with their fans, they got, they're got they off the charts for popularity. So. But uh, Morneau and uh, Smalley, congratulations. That was a very good stuff. Now, I didn't today I didn't have the now, noise, sound on, so I don't know if Morneau was so, still with them today. It was better than over the weekend then. Because yeah, I, over, over the, the weekend, weekend it oh was. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, because you couldn't hear him. So painful. And it was yeah. his first you know, go-around yeah, with but it, they, too. It, that's what you do. you got to be idiots to just, okay, just sit in there and. Start yeah. talking. They, they got I don't think they did any test broadcasts or anything. Like when those, 
when uh, A-Rod and uh, Mendoza, and they came in and did, a twins, before they yeah, did their right. first game, they came in and did five or six innings to see how it would work yeah. without being on the air. There's nothing wrong with practicing. Mm-hmm. No. and they Like uh, we do every day. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why it's so damn smooth. Yeah. All right. We'll be back. Uh, we expect, where I'm not holding my breath, but we expect Anthony Jeselnik to uh, join us. He's going to be at the Pantages a week from Friday. First show sold out, second show added since that. So we'll be back. I remember I came home from school when they said, Anthony, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've been having an affair. And you can't tell Dad. I said, well, why not? She said, because he just passed away. Anthony Jeselnik uh, will be in the Twin Cities a week from Friday at the Pantages. They have added a second show. The first one is sold out. How you doing, sir? Good, good. Thank you guys for playing that clip with the background music that I requested. <laughs> a lot of places don't do that. Yeah, um, I, want the, I want the bit to be heard as it was originally intended. Thank that, you. That is uh, true. Have you heard from the White House correspondents? Uh, are they lining you up for next year or not? Uh, they've told me that I'm going to be shot if I come within uh, within 100 feet of the White House. What was, I don't think that will ever happen. What was your ride uh, read on that uh, on the whole Michelle Wolf uh, controversy? Oh, I thought it, as a comedian, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, forget about politics. Yes. But as a comedian, you want to get up on stage mm-hmm. and you want to destroy that room. Yes. It's almost just, it's just like a roast, and I think she did that exactly. Uh, you know, and I know Michelle, and she did the best job she possibly could. Yes. I think as a comedian, she knocked it out of the park. I, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, making people feel uncomfortable is a very big part of humor, and you seem to have a little of that in your act. Oh, absolutely. I mean, every <laughs> every single joke is designed to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> That's and then right. release that tension and laugh at it. Uh, and not know why you're laughing at it. On your That's new t- on your new tour here, no New Zealand stops. I take it you're not uh, you're not mm-hmm. not doing any of that, huh? I can never go to New Zealand again, <laughs> which is fine by me. You know, I don't. Uh, I see enough of that get that country in movies. I don't mind. But my mother, all she wants to do is go to New Zealand and drink New Zealand wine. And I told her she cannot go unless she changes her name. <laughs> that that would be she a- will be attacked. That would be a, a good idea. Hey, I got to ask you. I'm dying up here. Uh, returns to Showtime. It's on uh, comedy clubs in L.A. in the early '70s. I enjoyed the first year of it. Uh, did you watch it? Hey, never seen an episode. Haven't heard a good thing about it. All my friends work on it. Okay, at that time. And but what I did, it did give us a little inside look at the competitive nature of stand-up comedy, and I'm wondering if that uh, actually is what you guys deal with at all times. Uh, there are certainly people who you know just are in the art and just want to have fun and don't feel competitive, and then there are people like me <laughs> who, who really want to destroy the other comedians and, and be the last man standing. Uh, that's kind of how I attack it, just to get the most out of myself. You know, the thing that drives me to go on tour and write jokes is uh, is competing with other people. My problem is that I'm winning. <laughs> you know, so it's it's like I've got a lot of people behind me, and it's hard to stay motivated. And they're probably out to get you, waiting for you to stumble. Right? That's the way it works. Oh, 100%. But they'll be waiting quite some time. 
I got at least I got at least another six months in me. All right, hey Anthony, uh, Netflix has done uh, wonders for uh, comedy, including the Checkbook. Uh, you have done a, net, a Netflix special. Uh, what what a wonderful boon for uh, comedy! Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's great to have another uh, platform to get things out there. The same way that MySpace was great for comedy ten years ago. Now Netflix has really changed what people can watch, how many different comedians they can see. And a lot of great comedians like Ali Wong, Tom Segura, have really found their audience through Netflix. And I know it certainly helped me uh, on my tours. And uh, uh, there's, uh, now what, what what do agents, they contact you, agents come after, go after <laughs> Netflix? How does that all work? Yeah, you tell them you're ready to do the special. And uh, <laughs> then you, you wait. And, and you, you see if, if they say yes. If they say, yeah, we want you. You know, their bar is pretty high, and of course they want me. Uh, my last special for them did well. Uh, so now that I have the new hour, I'll be recording that uh, toward the end of the year. Uh, so if you come in to see me on tour, you'll be seeing the next special live, which I think is the best way to see it. Hey, Anthony, uh, so uh, you were a Pittsburgh kid, but you ended up at Tulane and uh, New Orleans going to school there. That has to be uh, a great place for a guy going to get into the entertainment business to hang out for four or five years, huh? New Orleans. Oh, uh, it absolutely. It was the greatest time of my life. My only regret for my four years of Tulane is that I don't remember <laughs> it's I can't believe they gave me a degree at the end. I'm not even sure what it's for. I don't remember ever going to class, but it was the greatest four years of my life. That is a uh, that's an amazing city. Oh, it is. Uh, it's incredible. And uh, is there a lot of comedy down there? You know, they're, they're starting to kind of come up with a scene down there. There wasn't when I uh, went to college there. I never started until I got to L.A., but, uh, but now there is kind of an up-and-coming scene that's, uh, that's getting pretty big. Who was your uh, acerbic uh, role model? Who did, you, uh, who did you say, boy, is this guy good, and uh, I'm not going to do the same thing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go that direction? My favorite thing to me, and I loved the, the drier joke comedians. Yes. I loved you know, Rodney Dangerfield, a Stephen Wright, a Mitch Hedberg, but my favorite wasn't a comedian. It was a guy named Jack Handy who wrote jokes for Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. And there would be a thing called Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. It was just kind of <laughs> yes. a two-sentence joke. And those, to me, were so funny because the twist was so unbelievable that I thought, I'm just going to do a version of that. You know, that was the funniest thing to me. And if I can make it darker and get into some weirder places with it, that could be, uh, that could be a really interesting character to play. Who's your, uh, when you're, uh, do you know if a joke's going to work or do you run it by people before you get out there? What's, uh, what's, where are the test runs? I write a joke. I write a bunch of jokes and I have total confidence in them. I have 100% confidence these jokes are brilliant. And then I go on stage and try them in front of an audience and find out that maybe one of them is okay. You know, I'm always, I'm always think this is going to be great, and then the audience lets you know that you are completely wrong. So sometimes, even and even now, my instincts are bad, and so I just try to write as many jokes as I possibly can, and hope that uh, you have a pretty good batting average. And the, uh, uh, you know, what one problem with uh, your your acerbic humor can be very subtle. <laughs> a subtlety doesn't always work in modern society, especially in a big auditorium. I would imagine. So I imagine sometimes you tell an extremely funny joke and some of the crowd doesn't get it there are two kinds of people on my shows there are people who know exactly what they're getting yes and they they're looking for the subtlety and they understand the kind kind of seeing a horror film and they get every joke i tell and then there are those people's girlfriends 
and they are always pretty upset. They are always pretty angry and feel tricked and uh, and don't understand why I'm being so mean. But yeah, that, that's that's that, that's my audience right down the middle. Hey, the first time you were here, uh, I suppose you were in the smaller room uh, than the Pantages, did you? you know, the the small rooms to the uh, bigger theaters—that's a long transition, I would guess, huh? Uh, not really. I mean, it uh, it kind of happens overnight. You know, once uh, once your name gets out there, you know, I I I, I kind of got famous roasting Donald Trump uh, years ago, and I think maybe I was at the Pantages last time I was in Minneapolis. Uh, but it's it, but it's a, it's a nice place to go. You know, I feel like the uh, the comedy clubs are like a gym where you go to work out and get the material good, and then once you have the perfect hour, then you take it to theaters. You yes. know, then it's ready to go. I'm not trying anything else. I'm just doing the best of what I've been working on for three years. This is you got some real competition in the White House here now to to keep up with the craziness, though. I mean, it's it's the 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 absurdity. That you're trying to get across in comedy isn't a hell of a lot different than what's coming out on a daily basis. It's it's uh, it's a big competition. It is very it is very strange, but I don't do any political comedy, so it doesn't really matter to me. Like I don't care who the president is. So people can come out and the Trump Trump people like me because I'm not politically correct. Yes, and then you know the Hillary people like me because they understand that I'm on their side if you will. Uh, so it's a, it's, it's a mixture, but I never talk about, I don't care who the president is. I think it's a waste of time to lecture the audience about politics when you could be telling jokes. Uh, that, that is uh, probably true, but I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's, uh, it has created, uh, the media is, while they ap- apparently are supposed to be this guy's enemy, he's been the greatest thing that ever happened in the newspaper business. It's, uh, the irony here is rather interesting. It's, I guess I'm making a statement there, not asking a question. <laughs> anyway. It's all right. Every, everyone is wondering what the hell is going on. So, yeah, every statement is pretty much a question. Well, Anthony, uh, we uh, got rid of the snow. It's uh, We had a blizzard here about uh, 10 days ago, but everything's fine. And uh, we will, uh, we're looking forward to you uh, being at the Pantages Theater a week from Friday. Two shows. Thank you. Thank you very much. All Thanks right. Uh, Anthony Jeselnik, uh, who's a big, uh, you know, who's a huge fan of his, Mackie. Really, Mackie, big Jeselnik. Is that guy. right? Yeah, big Jeselnik guy. Yeah, this. So guy he'll probably, and he's a downtown guy, so he'll oh, probably I'm be at sure the show. There. I'm sure he's there. Well, but and I think he's come through town earlier when he was not nearly as well. Known. You know, when I was down the hall, I worked with a with a comedian, so we would have people on, mm-hmm. and everybody raves about how, you know. I, I was guess. I was watching some tapes. I watched the Netflix thing. It's pretty funny. Yeah, well, and Minneapolis is really well known throughout the country as being a great spot for comedians to come to town. And I love comedy where you go, oh, yeah, ooh, right. Oh, man. Well, and the, he, the he clip Manny you, got that we played. He makes you wince more than anybody. <laughs> he, he always uh, the joke always comes around yeah. and hits you in the back of the head. You know, it's, my mom uh, told me she was having an affair. <laughs> I'm going to tell Dad you can't. He's dead. Well, that's a, a sort of the delivery. <laughs> Yeah, Anthony Jeselnik, and uh, he's uh, he's here at the Pantages, and he's he's sold out. He's uh, he's kind of a, enough of a hipster for it to be, be huge in this town, don't you think? Oh yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. be good. Uh, anyway, thanks for his time, and uh, and I'm surprised this this I'm dying up here. By the way, uh, Showtime. Jim Carrey, uh, right? Comes, well, he he's a producer, but he's he's, he's not okay. Melissa Leo. It's basically about. Uh, Goldie's, uh, which used to be a, a, the big club in in uh, 
L.A., which I think just closed or uh, something. But uh, Melissa Leo plays this woman who runs a comedy club Mm -hmm. there. And the... What is interesting is the backbiting and the competition and the it's it's almost sports. You know, it's almost like, you know, it's like the twins sending out congratulations to the Vikings. Right. Sure. They do something. (laughs) It's like the, you know, we go wild and it's all a lie because you all want the other team to fall on their ass. So So you get more attention. Right. right. (laughs) You know, and uh, it's, it's that way in comedy. They all say, man, you killed it. But they're hoping that you don't. That you is fall that, on your face. Then, yeah. some, then, and the whole thing in it is trying to get to the Carson show. And then when you get to the Carson show, have Johnny let you come over to the couch. And the whole the joke is, he got the couch. He got the couch. But mm. apparently the comedians don't like it. So anyway, I, I like it. I'm dying up here. It's on Showtime. Uh, it comes back for a second season uh, Saturday and Sunday night. We'll be back. Andy Greeter will be joining us in a couple of minutes to uh, talk about Quinn Carroll going to Notre Dame and a uh, little Minnesota United news. He covers, like most guys at the St. Paul paper, he covers about three beats over there. So uh, here's Johnny Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long-term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salary professional service may be the right solution. Visit AccountTemps.com. Account Temps, a Robert Half company. You know, we should get Such on a beat. We should have him cover the United. <laughs> cover the Vikings one year, and yeah. then had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> what year was that? Was that the uh, last Steckel year? <laughs> no, no, that was earlier. Bud had to let him into the, uh, the locker That's room right. earlier and let him lay on a couch or some damn thing. Cost the Vikings Green a Bay. Pick. Green Bay. Well, he did, yeah. That was third rounder. <laughs> David... The hell was the guy's name? Some linebacker, David. Somebody. He he reported he was there for a second day of second day of tryouts, and it was back when you could only give a guy a one day tryout. Whoops! Oh, uh, just beating the dummy. He didn't know. No, he didn't. It was innocent. <laughs> it was great, though. I loved it. Yeah. Who threw the footballs at him? Was it Marshall? I don't know. Okay. I don't think Marshall did. No, Marshall. They might have. They tied him up to a goalpost one day. Oh, God. <laughs> Offensive lineman, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd pay to see video of that. <laughs> Look, the guys really like me. I've been on the bid. <laughs> oh, he, he did not like covering that beat. Twins will hit the road now after beating Toronto four to nothing today at Target Field. Fernando Take Ro- that, Blue Jays. <laughs> Fernando Romero good in his major league debut. Five and two thirds gave up four hits, no runs. He struck out five. Eddie Rosario with the home run for the Twins. The Twins will open up a four gamer against the White Sox in Chicago tomorrow evening. You know, you made this observation off the air, Pat. That uh, Kevin Pilar is turning into a really good ball player. Uh, tremendous center yes. fielder. Uh, other games today, a lot of home runs. Uh, Mookie Betts hit three home runs for Boston. Off to a good start. Oof. They uh, beat the Royals five to four. Uh, then in the Cleveland game, they beat Texas twelve to four. Edwin Encarnacion with three home runs. Oof. Corey Kluber won that one, so he's five and one on the season already. Detroit wins on a walk off bunt in the bottom of the twelfth inning. Way to go, Gardy! <laughs> bottom of the twelfth, they beat Tampa Bay three to two. St. Louis beat the White Sox three to two. Uh, Colorado oof, beat the Cubs badly, eleven to two. Roland Arenado with two home runs. Hugh Darvey started that one for the Cubs. He's been Ooh. terrible. He was terrible today. Four and a third, seven hits, six runs. He's so we outsmarted three. him by getting Lance Lynn instead of Hugh Darvey. <laughs> They've been about equally horse 
Bleep. Careful. <laughs> wow, I thought I was going to dump the comedian. I almost had to dump the host. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Giants lead San Diego 7-3. That game is in the fifth. A new study done for the organizing committee of the 2019 Men's College Basketball John, are you going to tell us these lies again? Says the attorney are will you going to ju- lie to us again, Johnny? <laughs> I'm not lying. The study says it. Yes, the study's the study, lying. The study, the lie. These are like guys who are uh, testifying for the defense in a trial. I'm glad you somebody know. finally said something. This is about yeah. the fifth time today I've read the story. Nobody said a word. Yes, it's like uh, the guys who testified in OJ's behalf. You know? uh, we don't know that. <laughs> Keep trying to get a rise out of somebody. Finally, you said something. Yes. Uh, L- lying. <laughs> The study says the attorney will generate $142 million in spending for the Twin Cities and bring 94,000 non-resident visitors to the metro. The study was done by a Pennsylvania Pennsylvania firm for the event's local organizing committee. According to the study, tourism would normally generate $35 million for the region at the time. The final four is in town uh, with the games about $168 million will be spent. Anybody get their check from the Super Bowl yet? I'm still waiting. I went to the mailbox this morning. Come on, send me my check. And, you know, think of this. This has got three games. The Super Bowl only had one. Kenny's the guy who could get this check because the Minneapolis taxpayers are on the hook for about right. 650 million for the Taj Mazzini. I demand my share. That's right. Get Kenny some dough. Wild with a couple of young signings today, signing forward prospect Dmitry Sokolov to a three-year entry-level contract. Yes, you uh, probably realize uh-huh. from the name, he's a Russian fella. And defenseman Eric Martinson signed to a one-year two-way contract. Sokolov tallied a career-high 96 points, including 50 goals in 64 games in the Ontario Hockey League last season. Martinson, three goals, 17 points, 46 games for Vox Joe HC in the Swedish Elite League. And it was yesterday we signed Annis, right? That was uh, Mr. Annis Maybe yesterday. two days ago even. Yeah, well, just be sure you pronounce it. No, I'm going to go with the other pronunciation. Annis. All right, Johnny, thank you. You bet. Andy Greeter, St. Paul Pioneer Press, covers Gopher Football, covers Minnesota United, what else? What else you got over there? Uh, you know, I talked to John Anderson of the baseball team today. I got a <laughs> okay. Gopher soccer story in the hopper. Yeah, you know, quite a bit. They uh, Gophers have a good baseball team this year. They uh, they had a really bad loss Sunday. He got a message from the Big Ten office telling him that uh, indeed uh, the runner should have been called out and the Gophers could have won. And with that and uh, three dollars, you can get a cup of coffee. So <laughs> anyway, that uh, that uh, that occurred. So uh, Quinn Carroll uh, goes to Notre Dame. Gopher fans, uh, some of them. Uh, a lot of them understand. A lot of them are upset because he 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 went to Channel Eleven to make the announcement. Well, I saw that his dad uh, tweeted out a while back that they had promised Randy Shaver they would do this six months ago when they had no idea where they were going to school. Yeah, and it looked like uh, in that same tweet, it looked like uh, uh, Jay Carroll, who's a former Gopher football player himself, um, has a connection with the Care Eleven GM too. So I don't know how much that played into it as well. But yeah, you don't see that very often. Usually, it's a a Twitter announcement, it's something in a high school, but you don't see it at the 10 o'clock news. I don't think I've ever ever seen that. It seems pretty rare. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, when you look at it, you can't really fault the kid for doing this. I mean, no. he wanted a faith-based school. Uh, Notre Dame certainly fulfills that. He, he's an elite football player, no pun intended there. But um, And Notre Dame is, is, a, is a, you know, a, 
a top program. So I don't think that there's any any fault in something like that. I know PJ uh, pursued him hard. Obviously, he got a lot of headlines, and I know that we talked about it when he uh, took a helicopter out to see them uh, play last fall, and he made it a priority, and he made it a push to get him. He just didn't uh, wasn't able to feel the deal. Hey, the uh, Gophers have built wonderful facilities over there now. And uh, the Gophers, indeed, back in the, uh, you know, before 1960, uh, they had a little glory in 60, uh, 60. And then before that, they had those national championships. But I was telling some people today, when you go to Minnesota, you don't feel it. You don't feel the greatness of the past. When you go to Notre Dame, that's all you feel. I've been down there four or five times. And it's, you know, it's hard for a kid, man, when he shows up down there. And uh, you can just feel feel what Notre Dame football has met and what it uh, meet, you know, means today on game day down there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't spend hundreds of millions of dollars and recreate Touchdown Jesus. You know, no. that just doesn't, you just can't do that. And those, those helmets, those you know, continue to resonate with people. And the fact that they had, you know, multiple offensive linemen drafted in the top 10, I think yes. that also goes to goes to show what uh, Notre Dame football still is to this day. Well, he's got the uh, two kids from IMG. And obviously the yeah, one right. thing, the one thing he is really doing, which is very smart, uh, you know, he had to play Wisconsin this year and it looked like the varsity versus the junior varsity. And all he did from the start was to try to hold the score down. Obviously, uh, he's no dummy. He knows that, uh, if you're going to play a football, if you're not going to play some wide open crazy game, you got to do something about your offensive line, and they are uh, they are pounding that hard. I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, they certainly have a have a strong class uh, coming in when it comes to the offensive line. I mean, you met, mentioned the IMG guys, and they've got some some depth behind those. You know, talk about recruiting battles uh, lost in Quinn Carroll two years ago. They won a big recruiting battle in Blaze Andres, the top kid out of Marshall. He had thirty some offers, including. You know, a lot of blue blood programs, a lot of prestigious programs. Uh, you know, obviously that wasn't Fleck winning that recruiting battle, but Minnesota has done it, and they're going to continue to put their put their nose in it and try and win these, and, and we'll see if they're going to be able to be successful or not. Now, the next big one is the Lakeville kid, right? Yeah, Bryce Benhart. Yeah, he's uh, he's the next one uh, in the 2019 class, right under Quinn. A huge offensive tackle. I think he's six nine, even a little bit bigger than Quinn, at least taller. Um, but yeah, he's got. You know, thirty some offers as well. He's highly thought of, and and when PJ took that helicopter uh, over the Gophers bye week last September, he went to see Quinn Carroll, and then he went to see Bryce Benhart. So he's he's number two on that list, and I know the Badgers and, and Tennessee and a bunch of other schools are in the mix for him. And as Notre well. Dame, Notre Dame has made him an offer too, right? I believe so. Yeah, uh, so he's he's got the lengthy list as well. So we'll see. Hey, Andy Greeters, with us. You're covering United. Uh, they made a deal today. Tell me about it. Yeah, so they gave up uh, Sam Nicholson, who was a uh, addition that they had from Scotland last year, a, a winger who they thought could make a difference and, and create some goals. And he uh, has only had two in 20 games, and he came with a pretty hefty price tag when it comes to MLS uh, dollars and cents. And, and, they, and they got rid of him and brought in a, a Woodbury kid uh, by the name of Eric Miller, who uh, uh, you know is a strong defender who comes in as a bargain who is also an American, and it kind of sets the stage for them to be able to make more additions here once the, the summer transfer window uh, that lines up with other uh, leagues around the world is able to open, and 
they're looking to make a splash at that time, and this is kind of the precursor to those other bigger moves later on this summer. All right, when you landed this beat at the St. Paul paper two years ago when this team first came there, or probably even before that, yeah. Did you know about these transfer windows and all this other nonsense? They have more goofy. They have more goofy rules than any sport there is. Yeah, they absolutely do. And you know, I, I didn't have a full sense of it to be honest with you. But it's something that I'm learning as I'm doing it. And uh, it's interesting because you know they have don't not only have one trade window like you yeah. see in so many other sports, but they have two. And <laughs> you know, it closed last night, and then it's going to open again in July. And you know, they, they have different names for them, and as I try to try to write and report and try and bring it down to a layman's terms, uh, it can be a little bit difficult, especially with all of the different budget funds that they have with designated players and target allocation money, and it can, you can get in some gobbledygook pretty quick. Hey, Andy, uh, the uh, they've had a couple of home games, and uh, last week I got a nice day and won yeah. a game. Do you sense... A little more familiarity with the crowd as far as who they're watching, what they're watching. Do you, do you sense a little more crowd involvement than there was last season? Uh, yeah, I think it was pretty strong last year as well. I think, you know, when they're, when they're able to get a win and, and play Wonderwall, I think that that is now an established tradition. I think people kind of know that that's coming or able to look forward to that. And that's something that they, you know, have been able to do and they've been able to foster over you know, a couple of years now, uh, but, you know, second year at TCF Bank Stadium, you know, you kind of expect that now. And I think that you're used to seeing scarves being waved on corner kicks, which is something that kind of popped out of nowhere that no one else was doing. It is kind of random and different, but you kind of expect that now. And, and you know that in the enclosed area at TCF Bank Stadium, they're going to be singing and chanting and waving flags all game. I think there is some some tradition and some, you know, kind of calling cards that they have now. Say what? Uh, so who we got hurt now? We're, uh, <laughs> yeah. Ramirez is now joined. Is he serious or is it just going to well, miss a couple of games or what? Well, that's a hamstring issue and those oh. can, those can linger. And he's supposed uh, to go play for, with Costa Rica too, right? No, that's uh Francisco oh, Calvo. Excuse me. Yeah. I got my guys yeah. mixed up. No, it's okay. Um, so Ramirez has a hamstring injury. I would imagine that it'd be difficult for him to play. Uh, this weekend, he's just one of the many guys that they've got injured. His hamstring body. isn't as big as Sano's, though, so that's at least <laughs> he's got a better chance of healing. But Yeah, and he's probably you know, 150, 200 pounds lighter than Sano. But he's so. out, and who else is out then? Uh, you know, Ethan Finley, the Minnesota yes, kid. Yeah, he that's tore his ACL. ACL. Um, Kevin Molino, another midfielder, he tore his ACL a couple weeks prior. Uh, Sam Cronin, a defensive midfielder. He's out with uh, reoccurring concussion issues, and the outlook doesn't look very promising for him. And then there's some other shorter-term injuries, but three midfield guys on a team that wasn't you know, incredibly deep to begin with is certainly going to rear its head as the season grinds on through October. All right. Uh, well, it's uh, it's uh, everybody just kind of waiting here uh, to get into the new stadium, and it keeps uh, getting uh, it keeps getting higher in the sky when I drive by it over here. That place looks like it should hold eighty, and it only holds twenty. But I haven't been in it yet. Yeah, they're actually having another tour uh, tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, they just cost fifty percent completion and. And, yeah, it's going to be about 20 and expandable out to 25. We'll see you know, how quickly they do that. They've been you know, drawing more than 20 uh, at TCF Bank Stadium, so it's going to be a hot ticket once they're able to get in there. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's moving along quick, and I'm, I'd imagine I asked Don Garber, the commissioner of the league, when he was in town last week, and he said it'll be a, a destination for you know, all-star games and U.S. men's national team games, and I know that the club is looking to get 
you know, CONCACAF Gold Cup, which is kind of coast, uh, excuse me, like Caribbean, Central America, North America competitions there. So it'll be a destination. All right, Andy, thanks for your time, sir. Appreciate it. Thank All you. All right, Andy Greeter, one of the hardworking guys at the St. Paul Pioneer Press. You, uh, you get you you work for a living when you work at that newspaper. I'll tell you that. Unlike the other one, uh, well, no, we, can, <laughs> we can float a little. We got enough bodies. We can float. All right, we'll be back. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history, Patrick. We're doing now what we said we would do last year, which is we're converting the team from an older team to a younger, more competitive one. And it's a very painful thing to do, but we're doing it. All right, that was Howard Baldwin. Uh, was he talking about uh, the North Stars or the Pittsburgh Penguins? He might have been talking about... <clears throat> actually, he later the, on bought the Penguins. Yeah, I think, I think he was talking about the North Stars. In that okay. One. Well, uh, that could have been him very early, but he didn't have the team long enough to really in, in, uh, install many. Uh, 1990, this day in 1990, it was announced that Howie the Hairdo Baldwin, as I call him, <laughs> uh, was leading a group. He and Morris Bellsberg were going to buy the North Stars from the Guns for $38.1 million. Meanwhile, the Gun Brothers were going to get an expansion team in the Bay Area, the San Jose Sharks. And, as you recall, the Sharks also had a deal with the North Stars where they would get 30 players from them in a dispersal-type draft wow. in a year or a year later. It was a really a goofy deal. But here was the problem. Howie the Hairdo and Morris Bellsberg didn't have the money. Oh. Uh, and uh, Norm Green, they brought in at a last minute. Uh, they brought him in for what was supposed to be a percentage, you know, like a percentage, a third partner. Well, all of a sudden, he ended up uh, buying 51% of the team. And then he ended up getting seventy percent of the seventy five percent of the team when he bought Baldwin's twenty four point five percent share, and of course Norm uh, ended up uh, Bellsberg uh, kept some stock till nineteen ninety, and then Norm so got that. That's almost similar to the way Ziggy got the Vikings because the original buyer well, was, was uh, Fowler, Reggie Fowler, Reggie Fowler. Yeah, and he, he didn't, didn't have, have the money, money either. Uh, and he ended up getting a piece for $5 million or something. I don't know if he still does. But anyway, it was quite a rowdy time. And Louie had been in on the screwiest deal ever when they merged the two franchises, mm -hmm. Cleveland and the North Stars. He was in on coming up with this formula <laughs> that would... Uh, he, he stepped away right after this. Was he but, getting uh, a cut, you think? I, I have no idea, but it was one of the goofiest things. But Howie the Hairdo Baldwin, he also was the producer of some of the worst... Those Richard Greco films, you know, Richard... The, the worst films ever. Uh, Howie the Hairdo and I didn't get along from the get-go. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.